It is that time of the week, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with more of the Buffalonian podcast. So this week, Dig signs a new deal. He's very happy about it. Poyer's wife? Eh, maybe not so much. The Power Hour has officially arrived in Buffalo. And a uh, little should he stay or should he go, Craig Anderson edition, along with some cold takes, trivia, and more. This is the Buffalonian podcast. All right, let's go. This is the Buffalonian Podcast. We're back. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Kelly, along with Dominic Loss and Michael Marino. And just like last time, we are diving right into some Buffalo Bills news. Dom, what do you have for us this week? Well, uh, well, we dropped the pod on Wednesday, and of course, you know, Stefan Diggs has to sign his uh, new mega deal on the day we dropped the pod. So we, unfortunately, we didn't only cover it last pod, but we're covering it now. A little late, but who cares? He signed the four-year, $96 million uh, extension on his contract now, which actually freed up some cap space for the Bills. They also reconstructed uh, Ryan Bates' new contract to free up about, so far, $8 million. And of course, there's more ways for the Bills uh, to free up more cap, as we talked about last week, with uh, reconstructing some people's contracts. So, and Poyer's uh, Poyer's wife would argue with his contract too, but you hey, know. He, he's underpaid. You know, what can I say? All first team All Pro safety. But let's let's talk let's talk digs. What a day for Buffalo! You know, Kansas City has to trade away Tyreek Hill to Miami because they didn't want to pay him. We wanted our guy. We kept our guy, and they make the financial commitment to keep the guy. They they, they the number one receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's Allen's best friend. Yes, yes. I think, you know, I don't think they'd let him go without Josh Allen being okay with letting him go. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you have to appease him now. He's such a big part of the system, you know? You can't you can't just pluck something that that important out of it, you know? Well, I mean, Allen's there for the next eight years. You kind of need his impact on stuff. And now Diggs uh, here for the next six years until age 34. So. And will be retiring, he said. He said that he wants to finish out his career in the next place when he initially got traded and ended up being here, so... Um, we'll see if that actually holds true. We know, um, Tom Brady, people don't like to actually, you know, retire in this league. They actually, you know, they will say they do it and then they come back within a week. But, you know, this, this sport is a business, man. Stuff happens, but he did, he did get the bag, man. $70 million guaranteed, which I believe is the second most all time by a receiver behind, uh, obviously Tyree kills new contract with the dolphins that gave him uh, $72 million. Uh, guaranteed. So I just like to add to that really fast. I know this is kind of off topic, but Tua turned the ball over. He's not going to be able to make any throws to Tyreek. Tyreek's going to be downhill, downfield, sorry. And uh, Tua's going to just toss. It's going to look great, and then it's just going to hit the ground. I don't, I don't hey, think. Our, our buddy Poirier is going to, you know, undercut and intercept it. The underpaid safety that needs a new contract. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Well, the, the Poirier slander here. Well, I mean, it just... It's more Poirier's <laughs> wife slander, I would say. Yeah. The yep. Angry tweet. He did get a new, uh, you know, agent. And, you know, it's the next bill online to get paid. And, you know, Brandon Bean's always done a very good job of paying his guys early. You know, he's paid Diggs two years before, you know, free agency for them. He's paid Trey White two years before free agency for him. Same thing with Allen. I believe same thing with Dawkins. It might have been one more year before free agency. Yeah, the show, man. Mm-hmm. But he's done a good job consistently of paying his guys, uh, you know, I don't want to say below market rate, but fair rates uh, when they're due. And, you know, obviously Poirier's been proven to be one of the best safeties in the league. He wants to retire as a bill, as Diggs said. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next month we're on this pod discussing the new Jordan Poirier contract. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. 
Uh, guys, I think you're forgetting about one key signing to the offensive line. Uh, Bobby Hart getting that one-year deal. Going to be 100% honest with you right now. F Bobby Hart. I, I don't think he, you know, he does anything to help out this offensive line. Honestly, my opinion, he's a camp body. Preseason guy. You know, you made this point last week in the pod. Bean is all about competition. So, you know, he can compete with the other people for the left bench spot. But as long as he doesn't ever see the field. I think he gets cut. Uh, I don't think he even... As long as he doesn't, you know, see the field protecting Josh Allen like he did with Joe Burrow and, you know, Joe Burrow's knee. My knee. Yeah. My knee, my knee. I mean, talking about the ex-Cincinnati Bengals, we play the Bengals uh, next year on the schedule. The schedule. Yep, and their defense is going to tear right through Bobby Hart. That's all you, that's all you have to say. You know, Josh Allen's going to be moving that game. That's all you have to say. Hopefully that doesn't... Hopefully Bobby <laughs> doesn't start that <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah. That, that would probably be four injuries to the offensive tackle position <laughs> alone for that to happen. But obviously, uh, I believe May 12th is the date that the, the 2020 schedule drops. Yes. So obviously, you know, they... A little bit of a harder schedule than last year's. Uh, this, this coming year will be. Uh, they had to play the NFC North, which you know is the Packers division. They had to play the AFC North, uh, and they also had to play Tennessee and Kansas City. And obviously, they had to play their six divisional games in Kansas City, correct? In Kansas City, mm -hmm. they did play their six divisional games, and the seventeenth game uh, is in the defending champions' building, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. So my question, my first question to you guys: Will the Bills be opening night? Will it be the kickoff game? I think you have to do it. I think you have to. I mean, especially after the way the last playoff game went against the Chiefs, highest rated NFL playoff game of all time, you have to. There's no other way around it. The thing that put it over the edge for me was uh, Bill signing Von Miller. Yes. He was an integral part of that team winning a Super Bowl. So why wouldn't you make that the opening game? We have the best odds to win the Super Bowl. They're the defending champs in SoFi. Von Miller's return, I think it's just a perfect way to start the year. Yeah, I, I don't see any really... I mean, there's some decent alternatives, uh, but not some that I love. I mean, the Raiders might be one just because of rating-wise, you know, money. Um, they could do a divisional rival game like San Fran, but I think it's the Bills, and if it is the Bills, it would be the first time an NFC-AFC matchup started the season, the kickoff game, since 2016 when uh, the Broncos beat the Panthers 21-20. Uh, yeah, and that was a rematch Super Bowl 50, so that had some hype around it, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's going to be a great season. Um, I'm excited to play Trubisky. I'm going to be honest with you. That's a game I'm looking forward to, you know. In Buffalo. In Buffalo. He's back, you know. Um, it'll be a great game, I think. How, how many primetime games do you guys think the Bills are having? Obviously, last year they had four with playing in Kansas City on Sunday night, in Tennessee on Monday night. We were supposed to have more, but we kind of hit a slump in the middle of the season where they made the Carolina game Sunday at 1 yeah, o'clock. They, yeah. they, they had four plus a flex. It ended up just being four with the other two games being Thanksgiving and New England Monday night. So I think it would be it would be five games, one Thursday night, two Sunday night, two Monday night, and a possibility maybe for the six to be flexed. I think we'll play the Patriots Monday night again for sure because we're going to put up another 50 banger on them. You know, I, I think that's got to be on prime time the, because – you and I were at that game. That was, you know... Terrible weather. Terrible weather, but you always go to a Bills-Patriots primetime game, the rivals. This is what I'm thinking. Chiefs game, that's a lock to be a primetime game. Absolutely, yeah. I could see Packers game, that being primetime. Um, other ones, Lions, maybe that's Thanksgiving game. Oh, I didn't think of that. That could be a Thanksgiving they do game. Play in, play. Mm -hmm. It is actually in Detroit, so that could actually be... Oh, things. take I that into that. consideration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could see... Like you said, the Patriots, that could be one just because of the way the last Monday night game went. I think that game was Monday night when it was the 
40 mile an hour wins and yeah. all they did was run the ball. Yep, the so 45 times running the ball and kill yeah. our defense. Yeah, yeah. that could mm-hmm. be one. And then the Titans. They will. Maybe. I would say the past two years they have been, yeah. and they've, they've beaten us every and time. Maybe. I think mm-hmm. the only other one that might be is one of the Dolphins games. My, I think my prediction would be is that they play Monday night against Tennessee because they've done that. Well, they should have done it the past two years, but obviously with COVID the one year. Tuesday night. Yeah. So they'll do a division rival game probably in New England Monday night. Mm-hmm. I assume they're going to do Kansas City on Sunday night. They're going to get the kickoff game. And I think the fifth game is going to be Sunday night football, Bills at Ravens, Alan Lamar, the two quarterbacks taking the same draft. I think that storyline is the best one out of the rest of the bunch. Who's really performed, though? I mean, Lamar's only got that MVP his second season to show for it. I think that's what this game's going to show. He's still, and Allen got him in the postseason uh, two years ago. So. Yep, and knocked Lamar out in the end zone, if you remember that. He was carted off the field. My boy Tremaine. Mm-hmm. But, Who we will not be seeing next season, I think, but that's besides the point. Whoa. But then the, si- the sixth game would probably, I think, would be a flex between maybe like the Browns or the Packers, as you said. So I think th- th- there's plenty of options. There's I don't I think they're gonna at least get four that they did last year. There's no way they're gonna regress down. So I think it's an ex- what what game would you guys say are you most looking forward to? Honestly, I'm excited to beat Kansas City this season for real. Like when it matters, you know, like we beat them last season, but they were not performing well as a team, as an offense or a defense, like in general. And I think this season they're gonna be hot, and uh, so are we. And I think it's gonna be another slug match like it was in the postseason. But honestly. You look at that game. Look at the AFC Championship two years ago. The Chiefs outplayed the Bills all the way, through and through. You, you could see that. The last postseason's game, Josh Allen outdid Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, outplayed him for sure. 100%. He outplayed him 100%. Gabe Davis outplayed the receivers 100%. Minus, you know, our boy Tyreek. And even... Uh, well, I mean, Dolphin Tyreek now. Yeah, come on, come right, now. right, yeah. Like, they're, they're thinking they're going to take the AFC East with that. I don't think so. That's besides the point. Um... It'll be a slug match, and I think we're going to come out on top this season, though. Yeah, no, uh, I'm going a different route. I'm going the Rams game. Think about it. The team that just won the Super Bowl, okay? So they're the team to beat right now, upcoming season. If we beat that team, it shows we can beat the best team from a year ago. Personally, if we make that AFC Championship game versus Cincinnati, I'm thinking we winning that game. And then I think we could beat that Rams team in the Super Bowl, but... Can't really change that, but I think we'll beat them. Hopefully week one, that Thursday night opening game. I think that's the game to watch. Yeah, obviously I think the away slate is way better than the home slate. Um, But the one game that I'm watching for the most is the Cleveland Browns game at home. And the reason why is because obviously there hasn't been anything official, but obviously with Deshaun Watson facing all these possible you know, assault, sexual assault charges, uh, 22 of them, I believe. Um, there's a very good chance that he gets suspended by the league. In Baker plays. Well, I mean... <laughs> um, pending a, if he's if, traded if he's or away or there. Mm-hmm. So you'd assume maybe it's... I mean, I'm not going to completely speculate, but six-game suspension, possibly. I mean, if the Bills somehow get Cleveland in the first six games, it is an advantage because, I mean, Deshaun... I mean, whatever you just want to say about his character, he is an elite football quarterback, and it would be an advantage for the Bills to play a Cleveland Brown team probably... Probably, I don't think it would be bigger. I think it would be Jacoby Brissett. So they were able to play them in the first six games opposed to late in the season when they probably had Deshaun. Uh, I think that would be a huge advantage for the Bills. So, Agreed. Yeah, that would be a good um, conference win. 
it's a, it's you know it's a, it's a tougher tougher schedule next year, but I I truly believe eleven and six last year was the Bills' regular season floor. So I mean, they went one six in close games that they can you know make that three and three, four and three, three so closer to five hundred. I think we're looking at a twelve and five, thirteen four season, and possibly the number one seed in the AFC with the you know the AFC playoffs going through uh, Orchard Park. I'm putting a hard hard thing down right now. Fourteen three. AFC Championship winners were in the Who Super Bowl. Who does it do? Hmm? 14-3. You have them losing to three teams. I have them or, losing. Or, or two teams and you get swept by a divisional opponent, I should say. Honestly, I think the Patriots beat us once when we're not expecting it. In, in fastball or in Buffalo like last year? I should say Orchard Park. I think it's going to be at home. I think the Bills are going to need a game that's going to get them really rolling. You know, I think, I think they're going to go in. Last year, we went played the Steelers right away. Very confident, you know. Severely underestimated the competition. Crap the bed. Crap the bed. Could even hit the bet if you wanted to, but it was bad. It was very bad. Um, so I think we lose to the Patriots one time. I think Aaron Rodgers. I think the the Packers might well, take us, but I don't know about that. That's kind of a hot take. I will say that Aaron Rodgers last time in Buffalo, twenty fourteen, uh, had his worst career pass rating uh, game against the Bills in December. Who's he going to throw to in that game? Yeah, you know, pending a receiver. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I said it was a hot take. You know, but. Um, I also think the, uh, the Zach Wilson led jets, you know, they're going to, they're going to kill us. You know, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. You please bet money on any of that. You'd probably get some fantastic. No, games. I think the Rams will be tough and the Bengals will be tough though. You know, I think, I think those are a couple teams we will have to play the chiefs that goes either way still, I think, you know, but, um, I, I think we could lose to three teams. Who, who do you think out of that is a guarantee? So I said there, I don't think anything's guaranteed. I think the bills. I mean, I have the number one in my power rankings. I think they're the best team that they play to their highest ability. They're A-plus game. I don't think anyone could beat them. Uh, obviously, they didn't do that all last year, so that's why they lost six games. And, you know, it's the NFL. You get sneaked up on. Uh, they're Jacksonville. Def- yeah. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going to get battle-tested. Don't even get me started on Jacksonville. <laughs> they're definitely going to get battle-tested more, I think, this year with more quality opponents. But I actually think, though, that they're going to finish better than their 11-6 record from, you know, the previous season. I think 13-4, 12-5. You know, I think the Rams game might be a loss. I think, you know, Ravens away from home, Bengals away from home, Chiefs away from home. You know, I think one of the two of those might be a loss. Obviously, we can see what Sean Watson says, you know, does with his suspension. Uh, Packers is a tough game. Titans is a tough game. And obviously the division, I don't, you know, 6-0 is kind of, you know, hard to bet on. I think 5-1 is pretty one. So, I mean, there's definitely, like, hard opponents for the Bills. And, you know, they're going to slip up here and there, but... I think they're going to have post a very solid 13-4-12-5 record. Yeah, so these are this is what I'm thinking. You look at the Titans games we played the past two years, and it's just they always seem to have our number. It's just a matchup thing. So I could see us losing to them. Yeah, it almost doesn't make sense. It feels it's just, like, yeah, it's it just, just happens. It's just yeah. a matchup thing. And so it's always like week six or week five, too. It's always mm-hmm. like when yeah. the Bills are three and one or four and one, they just lose. Yeah. Um, although that game will be home. The past two have been in Tennessee, so maybe that changes it up, but that's when I see them maybe taking the L. Um, at Arrowhead, you know, I know we beat them last year in the regular season at Arrowhead, but still, I know they don't have Hill. They don't have a true number one right now. But yeah, you're right. They don't really have that speed, but still, it's like... they had, I mean, they have Hardman. Mm-hmm. They still have Travis Kelsey. 
they're they'll be they'll be fine. Didn't, they have Mahomes still. Didn't they just sign MVS too? So I mean, they have and some yeah, speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't have a true number one. But really, Kelsey's that number one for them now, I guess. Yeah, he'll be getting like 130, 40 catches this year. Just looking like good fantasy tight end option right there for you guys. Yeah, taking fourth overall again. Um, yeah, the last one I really see challenging is that Rams game, just because they're the defending champs. They're kind of rolling right now with that team chemistry. Got to watch out for Cooper Cup because we're not going to have Trey. If that's a week one game, we're not going to have Trey. Mm-hmm. It's just that's going to be a battle tested game. But yeah, those are really the three that I'm kind of circling on my calendar. All right. More with the Buffalonian podcast right after this. Here at the Buffalonian podcast, we are looking for sponsors to take our podcast to the next level. If you are interested, please send us an instant message on Facebook, Messenger, or DM us on Instagram. All inquiries are welcome, and also, if you have any suggestions as to what to speak about in the next show, please let us know on both of those platforms as well. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Gentlemen, it is here. The Power Hour. Owen Power, debuting in Toronto. What a day for this organization. Boys, what do we think? I'm very excited, honestly. Um, it's a shame that, you know, Michigan lost. They, he couldn't advance, but... It's damn good to see him here. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's been, you know, long awaited, and it's very nice to see him finally coming here to play, you know? Yeah, did you see our pairings for this game? We have uh, Samuelson and Darlene. You have Power and Yoki Haru, Bryson Fitzgerald. The oldest one is, what, 24 years old? Yeah, you've got you're you're they're building a team that's going to last a long time. Yeah, like that's, it's a young it's a young team. That's crazy how young it is. It's Which set is for the future. Yeah, I mean, I mean, not saying that's our decor for the next you know five ten years, but you know we have those pieces like a power a Darlene, hopefully Yoki Haru, Samuelson. They should be here for a while. Well, I think it also leads to the fact of having such a young team. There's a reason why Kevin Adams was trying to be kind of aggressive at the trade deadline, trying to find the right shot. Uh, defenseman two pair of Owen Power, you know, more of a veteran type. Obviously, they have three first round picks and they have a plethora of uh, prospects to possibly trade. So, I mean, Owen Power had 32 points in 33 games for Michigan that obviously went to the frozen four mm-hmm. and lost, unfortunately, to Denver, who ended up winning the entire thing against uh, Minnesota State. So, you know, I just think it's a great time to be a Sabres fan. Obviously, you know, this pick at. I'd say a Buffalo sports fan in general, or, if you will, a Buffalonian. Well, I mean, it just, you know, it comes down to the fact of Owen Power wasn't uh, the consensus guy. It wasn't like every board had him going number one. You know, he was, you know, I think Bleacher Report gave the pick of the time a B, B plus, and now, you know, he's probably the number one prospect in all of the sport, and he's uh, wearing, wearing, our, wearing our sweater, number we're 25. Number tw- yes, sir. Yep, 25. Keeping the same colors, too. RIP to R2 Rutzelainen, though. No, Lost his number. How do we feel, Wish it was Hinnestrosa. How do we feel about... Him wearing twenty five and Jack Quinn keep wearing twenty two. I think that's it, so they are swapped. I mean, no, no. Jack Quinn was here first. I mean, in that case, you know, they're both top level prospects. Both were in the top ten in um, Craig Button's recent um, rankings. So, in that case, no, I don't see Jack Quinn needing to switch his number. I mean, do you think there's a possibility? I mean, maybe we might get some gift exchange. You know, Rolex and you know just finds his way to the stall of Jack Quinn. No, nah, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think he's sticking at 22 and Power's sticking at 25. Also, just for the listeners, I'd like to make a disclaimer. Um, no, I mean, for anyone who's a fan of Vinny Hinnestrosa, there's, there's, no, there's no bad beef between us. It's just I'm not a fan of the guy. So if you hear me slandering him a little bit, don't take it personally, okay? 
All right, moving well, on. Why don't you do this for Tremaine? Because Tremaine's only got one year left. I mean, he's done. So does Vinny. And Estrosa's got, like, a month left. They're definitely going to re-sign him. Didn't we talk about that before? Yeah, we talked does about it. Does he have a spot? Well. well, it gets interesting because Bleacher Report, you know, shouting them out a lot, had an article recently about, you know, they talked about each team's uh, most uh, toughest, I guess, uh, challenge free agent to sign or trade or not do anything with. And yeah. th- they picked uh, Victor Olofsson, another guy that we... No, I don't know if he's guaranteed to spot on this roster next year. So here's my thing. I, before the trade line, thought they should have traded Olsen because I think he's going to be like another Sam Reinhardt situation where he'll go to arbitration, he'll get by, you know, somewhere in the $4 million range. And think about it. He's pretty much in his career just been a power play guy and a goal scorer. He doesn't really do much defensively. He's pretty one-dimensional. Like... He's good to have on this team, but when we have people coming up like a Jack Quinn, who's a goal scorer, we have a Paterka coming up. Um, you know, is it really worth paying him over four million dollars just to score goals? Well, I think that's the big question. Obviously, you know, he's kind of having a little bit of a career year with uh, eighteen goals, twenty-one assists for 39, 39 points in sixty-four games, which is about a fifty-point pace. And you know, we've seen like when he's healthy, he's very good. But when he's not, you know, obviously he had the kind of wrist problem. You no, know, his shot is his best weapon. So if he's not healthy. You know, you get in a little bit of trouble with that. You know, speaking of shots, someone who's really improved this year is Tage Thompson. He just has an absolute rip of a shot. He does. They built that first line exceptionally, in my opinion. I'm so glad going to uh, David Adams, getting a mystery puck, pulling Tage Thompson at the time. Wow. Kind of a head scratcher. What a lucky lucky draw. Yeah, you want to tell tell everyone your reaction to that? Uh, It was not good. Yeah, and I got Casey Mills standing there. Now now it's it's looking, looking good, you know? Well, I mean, back to Olsen with his elite shot. I mean, he's on pace for his twenty, you know, second twenty goal season. Uh, but to me, you know, can the Sabers afford to pay him the four plus mil in arbitration? Absolutely. I mean, they have tons of cap space. They're really going to probably make it the cap floor. But you know, with the talent coming up, as you said, his struggle to stay healthy. He doesn't have a good two way game, and I think Olsen has the most value out of the young guys on the roster of Middlestad and Aspid, where you could pair him and one of your first-round picks and go get a top-four right-shot defenseman to pair with Owen Power, you know, yeah. or or grab a goalie like John Gibson, a true number one. So yeah. it, it becomes the fact of, can they do it? Absolutely. Should they do it? It becomes more, you know, value-wise, are they getting the most out of that position with everything going around in the Sabres organization? No, no, you're right. Because, like, like we were saying before, the people coming up, Olsen doesn't really have a spot. And can we really go through another Victor Olsen number change? Be the fourth time? What was he, 42? 41, 68, and now 71. Uh, maybe the fourth. Well, third time seems to be the chart. I'm seeing that he's having a career year. Uh, but this, remember, didn't he have a pretty long stretch there without scoring a goal? And that, that's his problem. He's a shooter, and you know, shooters get you know they get hot streaks, which I, he's currently on right now. Yeah. Uh, he's now on a pretty. I mean, he was middle of the season when he was injured, and he was kind of fighting back from that you know supposed wrist injury. Um, you know, he was on a pretty cold streak, and can you afford him that to happen because he doesn't add much other than his shot? So if his shot doesn't go, it's like a three point shooter in basketball. If he's not shooting the ball well, you know what does he provide you? And that, that, that's the big thing for you know this organization to take into account with this tough decision they have to do this offseason. Yeah, I think they've, they've... It's not like we have a ton of people, but there are a few decisions that need to be made. And there's a lot of tough ones. And, you know, coming up, we're about to talk about Craig Anderson. Yeah. So... Yeah, we'll see. 
it's a tough decision. This is a big offseason for the Sabres. They're trying to get back from, you know, a top 10 pick, maybe to competing possibly. You know, they're playing meaningful games in March, but now can they play meaningful games in March that actually matter if they win or not? Depending meaningful on, games in April. Depending if they win to possibly make the playoffs or not. Obviously, the fifth slot in the Atlantic looks to be wide open, maybe, you know, wild card eight seed. So we shall see. All right. We'll be back with more of the Buffalonian podcast right after this. Would you like to have your ad featured on the Buffalonian podcast? Instant message us or DM us on Facebook or Instagram for inquiries. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. We are back with the debate of the week regarding should he stay or should he go? Craig Anderson. Mike, you think he should stay? I do. Dom? Not so much. I'm out. I'm out. All right. We're going to start it off with Dom. Why don't you think he should stay? Well, I think, you know, there's a couple of reasons. Um, well, just one, I think UPL needs to get a spot in Buffalo or at least compete with a goaltender. Um, it's t- kind of time for the shine for him. Um, so, you th- I mean, you're just going to hope that he gets a spot. So then you have one more spot available. And am I going to give it to a dude that's 41 years old? Do I need a 41-year-old babysitter for UPL? Is that what it comes down to? And it's not like I don't like Craig Anderson. I think he's a fine human being. Was there for his 300th career win against Vegas on Jack Eichel night. Yep. It comes down to the fact that his performance has been dropping over the course of the season. And I would love to have him back if he wants to come back in some kind of organizational capacity as an advisor. I love that. He is a tremendous leader. But do I need to sacrifice my goaltending do you have a babysitter for UPL? I mean, this team's trying to win. It's, it comes back to the debate that we've been having is winning versus culture. And, you know, if you sway too much one way or the other, you start losing both. And you can't, you can't afford that, especially in this stage of the game. Right, absolutely. I can see where you're coming from. Mike, what do you have to say? All right. So, reason we should keep him. He's been in the NHL since 2002, 2003 season. So Our birth year. 2001. So, we look here. Ouch. We look here. Who else on a roster has played in the NHL as long as him? Nobody. No one. It's a young and team. If we have other such a him. young team. Well, he's the oldest guy in the NHL. I'd hope that there's no one else. Well, I mean, the What? Or Jumbo Joe? Okay. okay. One of the top five oldest guys <laughs> in the league. I'm just saying. We have such a young team. We need some guys that have been around for a while who can help develop, help mentor. You're talking about how good of a leader he is, which I believe is very true. He has been our best goaltender for the season. There's no doubt about that. I Agreed. know he missed a lot of time. He wouldn't. He's, he shouldn't be starting, you know, like 50, 60 games. And I don't think he'll do that next year. I, I agree that Lukanen's going to need some time next year. But I think it's going to be kind of like um, he's like starts the year as the main guy, Anderson. And then as the year progresses, he gets less time, Lukanen gets more time. I'm, I'm thinking throwing Lukanen into the fire on day one. Not a good idea. Team mm-hmm. is just, it might just really stunt his development. Yeah. Because, I mean, like you can't do that to a young player, especially Lukanen, who's only gotten limited time so far. Right. And re- relating that to something else, I know this isn't Sabres, but, you know, first game of Josh Allen's career, Nate Piedman <laughs> the bet. You know what I mean? And yeah. he's got to come in and try and save the game trial by fire, literally. And then they bring in Derek Anderson, right. who's not the best quarterback, but a veteran guy who's been around the league. Right, exactly. So I agree with the point of that we can't let UPL just be by himself. I mean, the babysitter role. But 
Um, you know, this season, Craig Anderson in 27 games has given up about eight goals more than expected uh, by money pucks. And in 27, so minimum of 25 games played, there's been 45 goalies that have played a minimum of 25 games. He ranks 10th worst in goals above expected. That's that's bad. I mean, Tukarski's eighth, so I mean, obviously he can't be, you know, counting on. But his statistic, his stats aren't good, and we're trying to win games. And I am agreeing that we need some guy that's been there, a veteran. But that doesn't have to be Craig Anderson. There's multiple options for the Sabres this offseason to attack and improve the goaltending. They could trade for John Gibson. They, as I said earlier in the podcast, they have three first round picks. He's signed at least for another four years at about $6.4 million, which they can obviously afford. He is a legit number one goaltender. Yes, he's having a down year, but he's frustrated with the Ducks organization. And he would be a legit number one that would help UPL and, you know, probably man 50 games. Or you could sign, you know, you could go for the big fish in the offseason, sign Darcy Kemper. Uh, he ranks third behind Freddie Anderson and uh, Shusterkin in goals above expected with 24.8 goals more saved more than expected. That's a great number. Obviously, and you can't argue with that. It's and you saw number. Freddie Anderson this offseason be kind of down a pound. Carolina gets him, and he's having probably the second-best goaltending season behind uh, Shusterkin. And, I mean, the third option also is to sign, like, another lower veteran – veteran. I was going to say quarterback because, you know, got me on – veteran goaltender and, you know, a guy like Brain Holby who, you know, out of 49 goalies that have started 24 games, he ranks 21st in goals above expected. So he's been, a, you know, a solid goaltender. He's won a cup. He's been there before. You don't need – Anderson is a great resource for veteran leadership. But they, I feel like they can replace that and have a better goaltender at the same time. And that's why I'm anti-Anderson staying on the roster. I'm pro-Anderson staying in the organization as an advisor. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be the goalie. He could be an advisor. But they need to find a way to improve that goaltending situation so they can possibly contend for a playoff spot next year. Right. Okay. I Very, very good points made on your end there, buddy. What Do you, do you have anything else? I'll just say if we have Lukanen who we want to be the franchise goaltender. We hope to be a starting goaltender for a long time with this franchise. We also have two guys in college, Eric Portillo and Devin Levi here. So if you get someone like a John Gibson, you're getting him for next, he's, you said four years left on I the believe, deal? I believe four years at $6.4 million. So he's going to command probably 60 games a year, 50, 60 games a year. He's not going to want to split time with anybody. What do you tell... Lukanen or Portillo or Levi, who's going to try to get games. With Craig Anderson, that gives you the flexibility to have those young guys play and really become the starting goaltender for the future. Well, I think, you know, it comes down to the point that there's other, obviously there's other options than Gibson, but, you know, 50 games, that's still 32 games. That's a 50-30 split. And we also have to come to the realization that UPL, after that hip surgery, just has not been the same. I know Rochester gives up a bunch of high-quality opportunities, so his save percentage might be low, but he hasn't looked the same since the hip surgery. So there's also a chance that UPL just flames out. And then all of a sudden you have Portillo, who might not even sign with the Sabres. He could be gone. Mm-hmm. After next year, he could leave. So then you have Levi, but then Levi needs an, uh, is going to have another year in college, so that's one year. Probably a year in Rochester, two years. And then you don't want him, as you said, if UPL just taking the reins. So he's probably at least two years away from even being in NHL time. In that time, the Sabres, with all these young core they need to have a goaltender that provides some stability and allows them to have a chance of winning. That We all feel like they have a chance in the next couple of years. So, you know, maybe Gibson's not the perfect option or Kemper, who's a big fish, because as you said, maybe they don't want to split the time. But a guy like Kopey, you know, a veteran goalie who's maybe, maybe 
you know, a solid goaltender. Not maybe as highly rated as Gibson or Kemper, but just a solid goaltender. Maybe that, you know, as I said of Hopi, could be a possibility. All right. Great points made on both sides. can see both sides of the argument here, boys. It's a little tough for me to side. Um, let us know what you think, and we'll be back with more Sabres in a few. Would you like to have your ad featured on the Buffalonian podcast? Instant message us or DM us on Facebook or Instagram for inquiries. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we are back and rolling. And for you Sabres fans, talk about a daily fix. We've got some more coming at you. Uh, we're going to be talking about some prospect talk. An- another segment, just uh, just you know, just filling up, filling up the pod. Yep, yep. You know, no football season, so I mean, we got to make we got to make do somewhere. So well, no, no big world topic. I mean, the last two weeks we've had the Final Four and we've had the Masters. So shout out Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, the the twenty five year old who looks like he's fifty. Can I just say? That, someone, that's a skill. That, that that is a skill. Someone here did say Xander Schauffele was going to win, and uh, did he make the cut? Rory was second. You know, it's just a tough day of thoughts. I did say that you know Schauffele was getting disrespected by having, I believe, the fourth best odds. So I think I deserved like half credit for that. I say twenty five percent credit. Thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take it. You no, know what? Maybe five after that comment. So we're gonna we're gonna lower it. But let's get into some uh, Sabres prospect talk. Dom, what do you have to say? Well, Craig uh, Button had his. Uh, you know, annual top prospects list, uh, 50 of the best prospects in the National Hockey League. And, you know, the Sabres, uh, you know, they got the number one spot in the list, known power. Uh, they got another top 10 selection at number eight with Jack Quinn. I think that was very, he was drafted eighth overall, right? Uh, yes, he was. Very fitting, very fitting. And also the Sabres had Devin Levi, number 28, who was the third highest ranked goalie on the top 50 list. And also J.J. Uh, Paterka, number 31. It's very, very good to see. You know, it's... It seems like many years in a row now we've had a lot of guys in the top prospects pool. We need to start getting those guys on our roster and uh, get them rolling here. I think people want to come play here now, though. I think that's a major draw. It's just the youthful energy of this team, and they want to build it. And, um, you know, even, again, you know, Sabres talk, but going back to the Bills, that's why all these people want to come play in Buffalo. The youthful energy, the young team, the the leader you have in Josh Allen, which I see coming from Alex Tuck, honestly, next season. And, uh, you know... It's a place people want to be, which it hasn't been for the last decade, I would say. What do you, what do you think? Well, I mean, it's obviously a small market, but, you know, passionate fans as always. And, you know, the Sabres have had these top prospects, but they've never, you know, I, they've never been, had the team that the roster build up correctly. You know, they've never done that before. And, right. And we're seeing that now. And I think Don Granado, I think, is a – we pay tribute to him. I think I think it's it's great coaching on his end. And Kevin Adams has done a very good job of, you know, uh, making this roster and, you know – Getting younger talent, they've also been able to develop some of these prospects better than they have in the past. With Tage Thompson, you know Alex Talk, you know you have Payne Krabs, you have Dylan Cousins, you know you have people in the NHL right now. Then you have you know Jack Quinn, your JJ Paterka's of the world, you know just probably next year coming in, and then you have more guys like Isaac Rosen, Josh Bloom, and more. You know more guys probably a couple years away, but you know they they're building both forward and the, the defense and goaltending. They have prospects you know in all three levels of the organization now and plus you know having the three first round picks as we've been alluding to multiple times in this podcast and probably having a top 10 pick in their own right you know it's just it's going to continue to grow yeah um you just see all these guys you just mentioned here just rattled off a massive list mm-hmm. yes i did so you got to think most of these guys they're going to spend some time probably in rochester how important is it for rochester to be successful because right now they're fifth in the north division but they're not out of the playoff race how how important is it for roch to be 
a Calder Cup contender? You know, I think it goes back to the point of playing meaningful games, regardless of, you know, the league or, you know, that you're in. You know, we saw Owen Power play in the Frozen Four, Eric Patillo play in the Frozen Four, Devin Levi play in the NCAA tournament, Ryan Johnson. I could keep going on and on about, you know, the play, the players in the NCAA that have played big games now in college. But, you know, hopefully, you know, they could come up with a nice run here and, you know, we could see Jack Quinn, you know, and Patoka get some in UPL. And he's down there too. You know, he, they get some run this, you know, the playoffs down there. And, you know, it just prepares you for the big moments. Um, you know, I think the Sabres, you know, have come up huge this season in the biggest games of their season. So, you know, it's nice to see and it's nice to gain that experience. So when they do finally break through, Hopefully in the playoffs sometime soon, you know, they don't have that, you know, shell shock. You know, they, they've, they've acted like they've somewhat had, you know, experiences that have been, you know, comparable. Obviously, nothing compared to the playoffs we haven't made it, but, you know, comparable experiences that prepare you for the big moments. Yeah, no, because you need, you need players to uh, play in big games because, in a sense, every NHL game is a big game. It's the show. Reference to baseball. I was about to say, like, if, you know, I was about to say the farm system, but, you know, that's a baseball term. You know, obviously it's the prospect pool. They, you know, Look at uh, Niagara University alum, uh, Mr. Matt Brash, making a debut coming up. Yeah. Right? Right? As a Canisius man, I will not count, I will not, you know, comment on that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting time in Buffalo. You know, as I said, they've been building this up for a little bit now, and, you know, it's exciting to see these young guys, you know, get their opportunities and start to succeed in the NHL level. And, you know, it's exciting to know that there's also more on the way. This isn't yeah. just this the, is just it. Yeah, the three first-round draft picks are um, very exciting, honestly, when you look at it. Like, um, Vegas is protected top ten, right? Yes, and especially how they've been drafting, too. I mean... Right. No, exactly. I mean, it's. I think we're in for a very bright next few years. Well, I mean, also it comes down to the fact of, like, as, you know, we talked about, you know, earlier, you know, Ohm Power wasn't a consensus number one overall pick. Right. You know, Jack Quinn at number eight. I mean, Anton Lindell is a nice player. Marco Rossi's a nice player. But, you know, I don't think everyone thought Jack Quinn at that time, the people on the board, was a reach. You know, probably should have been picked number 12 instead of number eight. But, yeah. you know, he's, I believe, the top rookie in the NHL in scoring. So, you know, it's just another ability for the Sabres. And they've also adapted. Like, I mean, for the longest time, you know, the Sabres did not draft Russians. Um, you know, last last draft they drafted, I believe, three of them. And, you know, it's just, you know, their ability to adapt and change, you know, their methods of drafting has actually really helped them, you know, get more talent into the pool. And then their ability to, with under Granado, to develop those people. And Seth Abbott, you know, the head coach of the Amherst, he deserves a ton of credit. He's done a fantastic job down there. So their ability to draft well and develop well has allowed them to start gaining you know, more success in the NHL level, and you know, hopefully they're able to add some veteran pieces, you know, in the next coming years. And, you know, as you say, Joe, they're going to win the Cup next year, so we'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we will be right back after this. Want us to talk about your topic? Message us and let us know. We'll be sure to talk about them in the next episode. Thank you. All right, so, I, you know, I'm a guy who likes to expose a cold take every now and then, and um, one of mine you know, last week we talked about the Masters and where Tiger Woods would end up. I said he wouldn't even make the cut because of his injury. And, you know, granted, he didn't perform astonishingly, but he made – he did make the cut. He did make the cut. Listen, I would just like to say, you know, as exposing this cold take of you, I did say he was going to make the cut. So I will hype myself up just a little bit. You also did say he had a legit shot at winning. Hey, he was, what, one over? You know, 
He was four day. over par for a while. Last mm-hmm. two days, he shot 78. Listen, I said if he was physically able, he would be able to have a chance to win. And uh, obviously, he didn't, you know, physically, you know, people that were there were saying he was walking around funny. It was hard for him to stand for a long time, so... You know, obviously that he also got tripped at one point, if I remember correctly, by a caddy or a security guy. One of those two. So I mean, obviously that affected him, but you know, he still had a good effort at making the cut. And you know, I, I you know I appreciate you exposing yourself like this. You know, this takes a lot of guts for you to do. I this. still think he overshadowed the entire tournament and took the the hype away from Scotty Scheffler. But didn't you think the viewership was up because Tiger was you know there? I think so, but I think he underperformed for the how, how much the viewership went up by him. I think he should have tried a little harder. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> do you think he wasn't trying? <laughs> I just want to say, I think it's lucky that Scotty Scheffler had such a big lead entering that uh, 18th hole because oh yeah, he uh, three-putted. He missed his first two putts. It's like I me think, playing a video game. I think the mirrors were getting to him. Like, oh my goodness, I'm going to win the Masters. So I, it's good that he had, I think, a five-stroke five lead entering that. If Rory was a little bit better, he might have won. Listen, I mean, we all have cold tasting for the Masters. As I have, I was exposed before even the segment about my Xander Shoffley pick. So. It's all right. Hovland uh, didn't do much better. He made the cut, though. Listen, we didn't win. Listen, this is called the Buffalonian pod, okay? Not the golf pod, okay? If you wanted to get our advice on golf, you know, watch us play a little bit and realize you probably shouldn't. All right, we'll be back with some trivia right after this. Do you have any hot takes that are just eating you up inside? You can't believe you even made that call. Well, we're here to help. For any issues you are having, feel free to reach out to us. We're here to help. We'll, we'll talk you through it. We might laugh at you, you know, at first, depending on the take. You know, like I was just absolutely destroyed for my take. But um, I would absolutely, you know, be thrilled to help anyone in need out that makes justice hot of takes that we do. All right. Thanks for listening. All right. Same way we end every show. Do a little trivia, test the knowledge of Dominic and Joseph here. Um, I know the first week, a little bit easy questions. I wouldn't consider those easy. So <laughs> I, I know you do, but I mean, what would you say? The, I, mean, I don't think they were grabs, you know? I mean, any question with you is just hard. So I don't, I mean, it's kind of hard to Last week, sorry, buddy. Last week they got a little bit more difficult, stumped you guys a bit. I think these questions might uh, also stump you guys a little bit. We'll see. We do have a disclaimer from last week. Uh, it's not Butch Ramsey, it's Buster Ramsey. Yeah, that's just me being silly, not being able to read. I apologize. You know, that's just that, that's there's my uh, cold take. Yeah, we were getting comments about that in the DMs about that. So that's my first strike, guys. We're on a three strike system here, not strike one. Yep. I, I don't know. I think, I think that's, you know, not proactive enough, but <laughs> let's go. All right. Into trivia. We'll start with some Bills trivia like we always do. So, as we all know, the Bills, they do have a mascot. His name is Billy Buffalo. When was the first year he became our full-time mascot? 84. 1990. 1990. Both of you guys are in the wrong millennium. Oh, oh four. Oh two. Almost. You're still too too far forward. You had to go two thousand earlier. The year was two thousand. Ah, uh, here I am. He became the full time mascot. Here I am making fun of this young lad and That was that was that was a good one, Mike. I, I, I never actually look into like the mascot. Like, that was that was decent. Yeah, was decent. I, I mean I guess I never thought that it was in two thousand. I always figured he was there. He's been there, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, full time in two thousand, so well, well they became a football team in sixty. Obviously we've talked about the stadium what in seventy three, so mm-hmm. yeah. An- another question for all you guys. We'll go to Sabres now. 
So we all know fixture to an NHL team uh, when they're home and they score a goal, they have a goal horn. They all have different goal horns. I love the Sabres goal horn. It's my favorite one. What year was the first year they brought the goal horn in? That they made, like, individual songs? No, like the actual horn. Like the, when yeah, they score. Not, not the song, the, the goal horn itself. I'll give you, it, it was when the Sabres still played in the odd. That helps. 1990. 92. Uh, you're close, but no. How, how, how uh, close? You had to go to the previous decade. 84. 86. Uh, again, you guys are a little too early, a little bit later. 87. A little too early. Well, 88. There you go. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was pure luck that time. That was, <laughs> oh, like you're a 2000 one of them. <laughs> we're, we're, just, we're just rattling off years yeah. here at this point, you know? Uh, okay, last question. It's going to be a Rochester Americans question. We touched on that a little bit. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to be rattled off some yeah, more years yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, what was the first year that they became the Sabres affiliate? 72. Uh, 2002. Uh, one of you was much closer than the other one, and Joseph <laughs> was much closer than you. Really? Yes. What deck? How far am I off decade-wise? You are in wise? the right decade. 75. No. 76. No. 78. One year off. 77. Seventy nine. Yes. Yes. Are you kidding me right now? Nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty. That shouldn't even be. He said oh two. That was the first answer. So are you kidding me right <laughs> now? Right, you know, I was. I was thinking of like the. You ever looked at the wall when you're walking bison, into the game? You know, you know how the Bison's always change their affiliates after a couple okay. years. Okay, that's in, that's what I was thinking. In of. his defense, there was a three year stretch in the two thousands where they were not the Sabers affiliate. They were just the Panthers. But that was from two thousand eight to two thousand eleven. That was close enough. So they came back to the Sabers in two thousand eleven. But 1979 was the first year they were with the Sabres. Before that, they were affiliate with Boston, Vancouver, Toronto, and the Canadians. I mean, those are. I mean, if any of you guys got any of those questions on the uh, first try, please, you know, give us. Yeah, a, we applaud give you. A, give we, us a DM. You know, give us a DM and next trivia uh, session, uh, next pod. You know, we'll, we'll we'll shout you out. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you a shout out. All right, that's about to do it for the Buffalonian podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you at this time next Wednesday. Go Bills. Go Bills.